I was uh, in Canada last weekend for a wedding and, uh, um, in Chatham, Ontario, which is almost five hours away. And, uh, of course, I took my passport with me because I knew I was going to need it to get in, but more importantly, I was going to need it to get back home. And while I was there, it crossed my mind more than once. I, I thought, what if my passport, my wallet, my driver's license, or even my phone had been lost or stolen? Uh, how would I... How would I prove who I am? How would I prove my identity? Thankfully, I didn't have to find out. On the way back into the U.S., I pulled up to the border guard, and of course he asked me the reason that I was in Canada, uh, what I was doing, and asked, I, asked if I was bringing anything back with me. And then even though he was holding my passport in his hand, he um, asked me to declare my citizenship. And I said, I'm an American. And once I declared my identity as a U.S. citizen, the gate raised, I was welcomed in, and I was welcomed home. Identity is an important thing. And identity can be defined by citizenship or really by any number of, of things, gender, age, ethnicity, uh, your marital status, whether you're married or, or single, widowed, divorced. Some might ident identify on the basis of what they do, um, uh, their career, calling, uh, a job, a vocation, or maybe by a hobby, a passion, or an avocation. Some may identify by their religion or their lack of religion, as the growing number of people in the U.S. are self-identifying as nuns, no religion. Identity defines who you are, your status, how you see yourself, or how others view you. So how do you define yourself? As you think about yourself, uh, what is your identity? And undoubtedly, a, a number of things come to mind. I'm going to ask you just to turn to the person next to you and just share one word of the way you identify yourself. It can be anything, a mother, a Star Wars fan, a Rotarian, a believer, I don't care. Just turn to the person next to you, one word that identifies who you are. Okay, I did just say one word, so I'm curious how many might have been surprised by what came out of your own mouth, uh, what came to mind, or even what you heard from someone else. So uh, it's important to know ourselves as well as to know others, and it's one of the blessings, and I'll say even responsibilities, of living together in community to know and be known. It's an issue of self-awareness, of being conscious or alive. Who am I? Who am I? Do I know my true self? Do others know the real me or only the false self that I present to others? Who am I? Who are you? Who are you really? And uh, we might even ask, who is God? Or who is Jesus of Nazareth? And in fact, those are questions we do need to ask ourselves. You remember Jesus at one time? It was a question of identity. He asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, well, the word on the street is, some are saying that you are 
uh, John the Baptist, that you are Elijah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus became even more pointed and personal, and he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I don't think that Jesus was looking only for a theologically correct answer. I think Jesus was looking for a response born out of experience, born out of relationship with him. In other words, Jesus is basically saying, after all this time we've been together, who do you say I am? Who am I to you? Peter, who am I? Do you know? And we know that Peter did know. Peter had the right answer. Peter knew who Jesus was. But, of course, as the story sort of played out, we discovered that while Peter knew, he didn't fully know. Which, when I think about that, I think about our mission statement that's printed on the wall out in the lobby, to know Christ and make him known. I think of that mission statement not as a destination but a journey, to know Christ and make him known. I love Jesus as I trust that you do or are growing into a love relationship with him. But that doesn't mean that I know him completely. I don't have all the answers. And I'm not terribly disturbed by that, and I hope that you aren't put off by that either. But I am drawn to know more deeply not just what is the right answer, what is the right theology or, or, or the right, the right uh, theological or biblical uh, description of who Jesus is, but to know, to know the mind of Christ, to know the heart of God, to know Jesus personally. You're seeing how important identity is to know and to be known? We just sung it a moment ago, you're a good, good father, perfect in all that you do. We're saying something about the identity of God, and at the same time, we sang, I am loved, it's who I am. It's who I am. In 500 A.D., St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, wrote in Confessions, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? He prayed this, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. And then the reformer, John Calvin, in 1550, wrote in the opening of his Institutes of the Christian Religion, he said, our wisdom consists of almost two, entirely two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. And he said, but as these are connected together by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two precedes and gives birth to the other. You cannot know God if you don't know yourself, and you will not know yourself if you don't know God. So the topic of identity is one that is relevant for every one of us. In the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that we've offered here at Zion, will be offered again this fall, Pete Scazzaro says something rather telling. He said, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectation for us. He says this does violence to ourselves, to our relationship with God, and ultimately to others. It is crucial and part of our humanity to be self-aware, to have an understanding of our own identity. Who am I? And it's not only a matter of self-awareness, but a matter of self-discovery. And it's important that we know ourselves rightly, not striving to be someone that we're not, not pretending to be something that we're not, not um, uh, living into someone else's expectations for us, but to truly know and be yourself that you may also know God, the God in whose image you are made. In a few moments, we're going to go outside uh, to... uh, 
celebrate uh, a number of baptisms. Uh, Charlotte Bear, Sam I. Miller, um, Matthew Johnson, and Jeff Paddleford are all presenting themselves for baptism in a few moments. And by the way, after you hear this message and you see the way that God is at work in their lives, if you haven't been baptized, you can jump in the tank too. Right? Okay. So, however the Spirit moves you today, okay? And not just because you need to cool off. Okay. So, um, those being baptized are taking... These, these four individuals and anyone else who might be prompted, they are taking significant steps of faith today. They are courageously stepping into a new identity. They are declaring who they are and whose they are. Baptism is a sacrament of the church. It is instituted by Christ, but it is also an identity-forming experience. It is a sign of covenant-making, God coming to us and making His covenant of grace with us, marking us as His own. And those who are baptized take on a new identity, a new name. Jesus commanded us to make disciples by baptizing them, disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, when we are baptized into the name of Christ, a name is everything that that name represents or signifies. Taking that on. And you thought it was only about getting wet. It is diving into a new reality. It is drowning and rising into a new transforming identity. The scripture reading this morning is Romans chapter 6. I invite you to turn there with me if you'd like, page 1094 of the Pew Bible. In this scripture, Paul reminds us of our identity uh, in Christ that is forged through baptism. And Paul is, uh, as I've said to you before, the book of Romans, Paul is writing to believers in Rome who, are both, who, who have both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds and all throughout the book, he's reminding us really of our shared experience and our oneness that we have in Christ. And even in baptism, it's a shared experience uh, that we all have with Christ, whether Jew or Gentile. And uh, def- both defining and refining who we are and whose we are. So I'm reading from uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 um, through 7, I think I was going to read. Yep. Paul writes, he says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection." For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So Paul is using here imagery that not only signifies or symbolizes what baptism means, but also what it affects. There is a mystical, a supernatural connection that we have with Christ through baptism That is through the water and the word of God as it is received by faith. Jesus who took upon himself, who who took us upon himself, 
who became one of us, who entered into solidarity with humanity, who embraced and identified himself as a human in his incarnation. Jesus, who did all of that, and who also, by the way, identified himself as a sinner, died as a sinner for us in our place, invites us now to take on his identity, to embrace his identity, to embrace his divinity, to be clothed in his righteousness, and to be so united with Christ that his death is our death, his resurrection is our resurrection, and his life becomes our life. You talk about a new identity. This is powerful. It's why Paul declared, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever I was before I came to Christ, whatever accolades or accomplishments or achievements that defined who I am, and I don't care what it is, academic achievements, career achievements, sports, dance, music, whatever it is, whatever it is that defined who I am or was before coming to Christ, or conversely, whatever struggles or sin or shame may have defined me, that I may have defined myself by or others may have defined me by, all of that is laid at the foot of the cross, and I embrace Jesus as my own and His identity. And now I live into Him. He is my all and all. That doesn't mean that I don't cease to be me, but as one who is made in the divine image, I am striving with the power of the Holy Spirit to live a supernatural, divinely filled, and kingdom-oriented life. To know the mind of Christ, the heart of God, and so to live as fully and to love as radically as Jesus. To live not in defeat and despair, but in forgiveness and hope. To love God, to love others, to love my enemies, those who may look and act and think and believe differently than me, and to love even myself as God does. You see, friends, this is, this is, this is why it is important for us not only to witness individuals being baptized, but to be reminded ourselves of what is ours. Martin Luther, the reformer, said we should remember every day our baptisms, to remember who we are and whose we are. Those who will be baptized today are stepping into, as I said, a new identity, a new reality. We celebrate with them in this significant step of faith. And we are also reminded in this of our own journey of faith and faith steps and our own baptisms to remember who we are and whose we are so that we do not forget. I'm called by a new name, Christian or Christ. In baptism, we are clothed in Christ, washed clean, forgiven, called to ministry as Jesus was in his ministry. It signified the beginning of his ministry. We are also affirmed in God's love for us as Jesus was. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. In baptism, God extends and affirms his covenant of grace. His banner over us is love. Baptism is a sacrament of grace. It communicates to us and proclaims and offers the unmerited love of God. Baptism is a means of grace whereby God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You are mine, and I 
am yours forever. Amen. We need to remember our baptism. We need to remember it when things are going well. And when our spiritual and emotional tanks are full and we relish being close to God, we need to remember still who we are and whose we are. But we also need to remember our baptism when we struggle, when we stumble, and when we fall, to still remember our identity and strive to live into the reality of it, rejecting the lies and the shame and the scorn that we heap on ourselves or that others heap on us. We need to remember our baptism and our identity in Christ when the world commends us and when the world condemns us. And Paul, in our passage this morning, not only reminds us of the realities of our baptism, of our, of our connection, our unity, our, 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 our solidarity with Christ, but he's also inviting us to live into that baptismal grace in such a way that it shapes our identity, it ignites our passions, it directs our pursuits, and it informs our priorities. So that with all that we are and all that we have, we may serve God and our neighbor. As those who believe and are baptized, and both are necessary, our identity is in Christ, not in the curse or the chaos. Our identity is in our Savior, not in sin or struggle. Our identity is, not, is in our Lord, not in our losses. Our identity is in our Messiah, not in the mess. As those who believe and are baptized, we are to find our true identity in the solution and not in the problem. I'm a child of God, loved by God, unconditionally, valued and treasured by my Heavenly Father. I belong to Christ. I am an heir with Christ. I died with Jesus, and I am raised to new life. I am seated with Him in the heavenly realms where I will reign with Jesus forever. I am beloved. I am royalty. I am made in the divine image. I share in the divine nature and the divine community. I am a son of God, a daughter of the King. These are the things that matter and are true. And it is this reality, it is this reality, these realities that I am called to live into and called to live up to. I see myself in this reality and so encourage to, we need to see ourselves in this reality and then also to encourage others in this as well. To see, to know, to believe, to live into their true identities as those made in the divine image. Listen, friends. If I don't see myself in a new way, as a new creation in Christ, as one in whom the image of God is being renewed and restored, if I don't see myself in that way, why would I see that in you? And if I see it in myself, I ought to be seeing it in you as well and celebrating it. And I don't care who else, not just you as fellow believers, but anyone out there, before I think about how I define them or think about them or describe them or identify them, how I do that in my own flesh and my own so-called wisdom or experience, I need to stop and check myself before a word comes out of my mouth and change the way that I think and to change the direction of my heart if I need to. And everyone you see, everyone you encounter, everyone you hear about, everyone you talk about, to see them as a ten. As people who are made in the image of God, how much differently will we relate to and treat those people? And it's going to be born out of your own understanding of how God has intervened in your own life, changed your story, okay? 
You don't wait for them to change to love them that way because God didn't wait for you to change to love people that way. You understand what I'm saying? We more than anyone should not get sucked into the way that our world is today, so polarizing and and hateful. We should be lifting people up in the way that we interact, in the way that we love, in the way that we speak to others. We are cheering them on, helping them to see that they are made in the divine image. Let me share a story with you as I close. In his book, The Song of the Bird, Tony DeMello uh, tells the following story. A man found an eagle's egg and put it in a nest of, barnyard, of a barnyard hen. The eaglet hatched with the brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, the eagle did what the barnyard chicks did, thinking he was a barnyard chick. He scratched the earth for worms and insects. He clucked and cackled, and he thrashed. He would thrash his wings and fly a few feet in the air. Years passed, and the eagle grew very old. One day, he saw a magnificent bird in the sky above him, in the cloudless sky. It glided in a graceful, majestic, uh, and power, among the powerful wind currents with scarcely a beat of its strong golden wings. The eagle looked up in awe. Who is that, he asked. That's the eagle, the king of the sky, the king of the birds, said his neighbor. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We are chickens. And so the eagle lived and died a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. Some of us are living like barnyard chickens. Some of us are living like turkeys, (laughs) When God invites us to soar in the heights, this is why it is so important to remember, to know, and to live into our true identity, even as that is formed in our baptisms, our new identity in Christ. Amen.